Amen. God made me for a purpose, and when I believe that, it's brought to the surface. Amen. It's good stuff. You get a fresh start when that happens. We begin a new year always wanting a fresh start, and we come to the place as believers where we realize we have been made a fresh start in Christ here on planet Earth today. We're going to talk about that more today. I want to talk about some things that are fresh starts for us as a church, some things that are coming up. You're going to hear later in our service today more about our four-week small group series that's beginning soon, based on the book and the study called Circle Maker. All of us have areas in our life that are hopes and dreams. We have areas in our lives that have been hurts and struggles. And this book and this study is designed to help us draw some circles around those areas and trust God's promises for them to circle some areas of Scripture and believe those promises. So what we're doing is beginning on February 11th and on the 18th, 25th, and March 4th, we're going to have 10 small groups. And they'll be in and around this area. You'll see the sign-up pages out here in our lobby today. They'll be on Sunday evenings at 6. It's temporary. You're not committing for long term. You're committing for four weeks. You get involved in these groups and you meet some new people. You study Scripture. You get to see how prayer can change some things and how God wants to change some things in our lives. So you'll sign up today. We have child care provided here at the church. Jamie will talk more about that. That's something that we're very excited about here at Vertical Church, a fresh start for our relationships and lift groups. Another thing that's a fresh start for us that's coming up soon, the weekend of February 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, we are having a prospective youth pastor come in. And uh, we, our search team has been looking and praying for some time, and uh, it's been quite a journey. As you know, if you're looking for the right person that God has for us, you, you want to take some time with that. And we have. And we've talked to a lot of people, and we've prayed, and we have an individual that will be coming into town. He'll be here in our church services. We're going to have a special youth fellowship on February 3rd at 7 p.m. Parents and students are invited to come to that as we get to meet him and listen to him and connect together and keep sensing and directing and looking for God's will in our lives and for our church. So that's coming up. And then the next thing I want to tell you about, the last one that's coming up soon, is a baptism celebration. We always love to celebrate baptisms and new life here at Vertical Church. So on February 25th, the end of February, we're going to be celebrating baptism right here. We already have uh, one young man who has said, I'm, I'm ready to follow Jesus Christ with baptism. I was baptized when I was a child, but some things have happened in my life that have really changed me. And it's Nick Kinsman. You probably see him out in the parking lot greeting as you come in. He's already said, I'm in. I want to be baptized. I'm ready to make this thing public. I'm ready to go all in and follow Jesus Christ. If that's you as well, let me know or Jamie, and we'll be glad to sit down and talk with you and get you on the schedule for that day. That's coming up. So Fresh Start, the name of our series here as we begin 2018. We've been looking at the book of Acts and a fresh start that God did there on planet Earth. And we've learned some things. Two weeks ago, we learned this big concept, this big truth. Before the new can come, the old must go. If you want to have some new things come into your life, you've got to be willing to set aside some old things. You can't keep doing the old things and expect the new things to come. You have to draw some lines. You have to make some changes. You have to repent of what was old and do what's new. It's interesting, Jesus himself even said that before the Spirit can come, he said, I have to go. I have to return to heaven. I have to be glorified. I have to return to the right hand of the Father before the Spirit can come, before the new can come. And so we kind of soaked that all in our first week in our series. And then last week we saw this big truth, that anticipation and obedience brings awareness of God. You know, it's among the people of God that have real faith and will say, God, we believe you can do something big. We believe you can work beyond what we see and what we think. We believe you can do the miraculous. When, when there's a group of people who will believe that and be all in in that, God will do special things in their midst. Oh boy, everybody go ahead and check your phones. It's an amber alert. You can turn that off and check it if you want. We'll wait till that passes. <clears throat> Yeah, only, only in 2018. That's good. Now we all know. All right, so <clears throat> we saw last week how when we live in faith-filled anticipation that God's going to do something, He usually does. He shows up. We saw and we talked about how Jesus said there was a town He once went to, and He could only do a few powerful miracles there 
because of the people's unbelief. And in fact, he said in another place that he could do no miracles because of the people's unbelief. Oh my goodness, that's just kind of shuddering to me. I just think, wow, the last thing I'd want for our church is to be a place where Jesus shows up, but he does very little because of a spirit of unbelief. Wouldn't that be tragic for us to gather as his people, to have his spirit in us, but not have enough faith to believe that he can do the miraculous? Hey, and let me just clarify. There are miraculous things that God does, and we normally think the most miraculous is when he does something physical, when he heals someone, you know. We normally think of that as kind of the, the top of the list of miracles. But I'm going to tell you what. It is a greater miracle to see a person's heart change than to see their life physically changed. I'm telling you. If, and I know you know this to be true. You've got people in your family. You've got friends. And you've talked with them. And you've tried to explain the Lord to them. And you've tried to reason with them. Maybe it's a relationship. And they have just absolutely hardened their heart. They have resisted and they have refused. They will not humble themselves. They will not seek repentance. They will not change. That right there is tough. Amen? You know what I'm talking about. You have a spouse, you have a friend, you have a child, you have someone like that in that situation. To see that kind of heart changed is miraculous. To see that happen is more miraculous than someone who was blind seeing then for someone who was deaf to all of a sudden hear. Those are miracles. Don't get me wrong. But when a man's heart sees, when a man's heart hears, when a woman's heart that has been resistant and angry and bitter softens and it breaks and she trusts Christ, that is a bigger miracle. And so what we talked about last week is having that kind of faith and anticipation and expectation that God's going to do that kind of work when we gather together. Amen? That we live in that. We're on the edge of our seats in our faith. We're not just slouched. We're not just, whatever, okay, when is this going to be over? No, we live with this expectation of faith. Okay, God, you're going to do something today. We're gathered as your people. Your word is alive and powerful. Your spirit is within us. And where two or more are gathered in your name, there you are in a special way. And so, God, we're on the edge of our seats waiting to see what's going to happen today. Amen? So just a reminder, that's what we're here for today. This is what we're doing. I hope in your faith you're on the edge of your seat. I hope you're ready. I hope you're listening. I hope you're anxious to be changed. I hope you're anxious to see something happen. I hope you're believing for something bigger than just going through another Sunday. Amen? Amen. Let me kind of get us up to speed on the book of Acts. We're, we're into chapter 2 and the latter part of it, but let me kind of bring us up to where we are. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus had told the disciples to gather because it was the promise of the Holy Spirit was coming. He was ascending to the Father. He was leaving, and the Holy Spirit was coming. And so Acts chapter 1, it says this, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. He says the Spirit's going to come, and when he comes, he's going to come in power. And, and this power is going to do something. And look carefully at what this power is. He says, you shall be witnesses to me. You, your life will be a witness to me. You will be witnesses. He didn't say you will do witnessing. Now that comes from being witnesses. But your life will be a witness. It won't just be a thing you do. It will be a, here we go again. Everybody good? Okay, cool. It will be a being, not just a doing. Your doing will come out of your being, but you're, yeah, that's enough of that. So let's go on here. The promise is that he's coming. And when he comes, he's going to change you. He's going to fill you with a passion. He's going to fill you with a drive. And here's the thing that's miraculous about it. He is going to make you witnesses in Jerusalem, where you are, in Judea, which is around you, and Samaria, which is beyond you, and it will continue to the end of the earth. 
to the end of the earth. It's going to go further than you can imagine, further than you can believe. It'll be a vision bigger than you can wrap your head around. The Spirit's going to do that. This is one of the evidences of the Spirit of God being in your life. It ignites you with passion, with hope, with promise, with vision that God's going to do big things. I don't want to be the believer who just lives with small faith, small vision, small insight. I want to believe God to do big things because that's what he says the Spirit is going to come do in us. Amen? It's just the promise of the Spirit. He goes on, and then the Holy Spirit was actually poured out. Acts chapter 2 says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit when it happened, when he came. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You see, dwelling in Jerusalem at the time were people from all over the planet. All of the ends of the earth had come. And they began to speak in these other tongues, actual languages, so that when they go out into the city, others come and they hear the good news of Christ. They hear the wonders of God, and they're hearing it in their own language. And people are stunned at what's happening. They're stunned that they're hearing the gospel in their own language, and these people are filled with a passion, and God's doing something fresh and something new. You see, never before had there been anybody who had been filled with the Spirit like this, that the Spirit of God had indwelt, and He was pouring Himself out in them. This reminds me, you know, you should never look at your future in terms of what you think you could do. You should always look at your future based on what He says He's going to do. If you ever look at your future based on what you can do, what you can figure out, what you can understand, what you can logically surmise, you won't live with any vision, with any hope. When the Spirit comes in, He'll lead you to do things bigger than you can imagine. You'll go to the ends of the earth, disciples. They couldn't even fathom that. And you'll speak in other languages. They couldn't fathom that either promise of the Spirit, pouring out of the Spirit, and then the passion of the Spirit. It happens, and, and people are amazed, and then Peter stands up, and he kind of clarifies it all. And he says, hey, what's happening here is what was prophesied before. And here it is. He said, this is the time that was referred to where your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. He said, this is what we've heard about. This is what was written. The Holy Spirit would come, and it would fill believers with passion. This is one, another, in, another indicator of the Spirit of God within us. It fills us with a passion. It fills us with an energy, a vision to do something, to see something, to see God do great works. And when I see people who are passionless, I know they're not experiencing all that the Spirit has for them. If you're just living in the mundane, if you're just living in the, the, the day-to-day, if you're not experiencing some sense of passion and purpose for your life, you're not experiencing all the Spirit has for because this is one of the things that He does. And then the power of the Spirit's poured out. Hey, this is all just our introduction today. With, you're right you're with me on this. I'm just catching us up to speed. You read Acts chapter 2 as we saw last week. It says, Then there came this place where fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. The people had this sense of reverence amongst them. There was a, a sense of anticipation. God's going to do something. His word's alive. His spirit is with us. He's about to do something great. And they were all on the edge of their seats in their faith. And they had this sense of wonder about them. Not fear in the sense of dread, but fear in the sense of awe and wonder and expectation. And many, it says, and then many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. That's what happens in an environment where people are aware of the Spirit of God. That's what happens. When people are aware that the Spirit is in them and they're anticipating the Spirit moving then the miraculous starts to happen. Things begin to change. Hearts begin to break. Relationships begin to reconcile. Things begin to move that had never moved before. Wonders begin to happen that you've never seen before. And it happens when a people choose to have faith and awareness. Amen? Amen. I want to be part of that. I want to see that happen. I don't want to go through the game of just playing church. I want to live in a day when the Spirit of God awakens hearts, and when there's wide-scale awakening, when it happens here, and it happens beyond here, and it happens in our community, and it happens in our cities, and it happens in our state, and it happens beyond. It happens in our nation, and it happens in our world. And it starts because some people said, God, we're aware 
of your spirit here. Amen? All right. So today, we start in Acts chapter 2. We're starting in verse 44. I want us to talk about how do you see wide-scale awakening. What does it take for us to experience what they experienced? I know it was miraculous, but I'm going to tell you what. It was the same God, the same Spirit of God dwelling in the hearts of people. And the same, the same results can happen today where there can be wide-scale change that comes because a people will believe by faith. I want us to be that people. The people of God had gathered. It says in the verses we looked at last week that those who gladly received his word were baptized and about 3,000 souls were added to them and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and prayers. And this is the very next verse. Now, now, all who believed were together. Wow, so much in one sentence. Now, as a result of the Spirit, as a result of these wonders, as a result of what was happening, those who believed were all together. They gathered together, not just to be physically together, but their hearts were together. They were united. You see, the, the Roman government wasn't too excited about them. The Pharisees weren't too excited about them. And there were those who were suffering as a result. Being a Jesus follower wasn't so pretty back in the day. You didn't put your bumper sticker on your car because you knew what could happen to you if you did. It wasn't because you're afraid you couldn't drive righteously. Huh? Yeah? It was because they knew what was going to happen the minute they identified with who Jesus was. It wasn't very pretty. So they are gathered together. They are together because of what God's done in them. They're together because they're having to depend upon one another. They're together because they're learning from the apostles. They're pouring into doctrine. They're pouring into truth. They're together because they believe they have a purpose. They're together because they knew they'd been called now to go to the ends of the earth. They're together because they knew they had a message. They're together because they believed that the Spirit of Christ was upon them. And they were all together. And it was those who believed this brings us to our kind of first big point today. If you're taking notes and want to take a snapshot of the screen, here you go. First big point. Awareness leads us to forge together with vision. When you get an awareness of the Spirit of God in you, when you realize what has been given to you, when you realize where you have been seated now and what has been gifted to you in the Spirit of God, it all of a sudden does something to you. It ignites within you something, and you want to be with other people who've had the same experience. Now, all of a sudden, there's this uncomfortableness with what's out in the world. You, there's this uncomfortableness with where you've been. There's some friendships and relationships and activities you've been involved in in the past, and now there's something about it that just seems awkward. It just doesn't seem right, and you've got to come out from it, just as these believers did. They separated themselves, and they all came together. The Spirit of God will do that. It'll all of a sudden put a distaste in your mouth for what's out there, and it'll put a taste in your mouth for what's in here. Amen? It'll change some things. It changes priorities, and it changes your, your, your passions. It changes your interests, and all of a sudden now you say, i got to be around some people who believe. i got to be around some other people who are walking like I'm walking. i got to find some encouragement. I want to spill over some encouragement in some people's lives, and this awareness does that. It forges you together with some people. You know, that's what God's been doing here for almost three years now. He's forging new relationships. He's forging a new path, a new pattern, a new plan for us as a church as we move forward to be ones who make a difference, to, one, to be ones who live in unity. We don't come together as just isolated parts that have no relationship to one another the rest of our time. We come together on Sundays out of the overflow of our connections out of lift groups, out of women's Bible studies, out of men's Bible studies, out of other groups, out of friendships. We come together and we're connected beyond more than just what's right here on a Sunday morning. We're connected. You know, our nation and our world talks today a lot about unity, talks about coming together, being one. I know you know this, but I'm just going to say what we all know. 
there will be no unity in our nation until there is a unity of belief. You can't have community when there's disunity of belief. As believers in Jesus Christ, we have a different message. We have a different purpose. I might be able to live on the same street with some other people who believe differently than me, but I cannot gather in a place to worship Allah. I can't gather in the same place to worship Buddha. I am drawn to and driven to worship Jesus Christ only. And he is the great separator and divider. And so the only unity that will ever come is not because we laid down what we've chose to believe. It will be when the nation repents and believes in Jesus Christ. That's the only time there's going to be unity. So I want to be clear when we're talking about forging together with vision, our mission and our vision is that our nation might come to know Jesus Christ first, and then we'll talk about unity. But we, as followers of Jesus Christ, gathered in his name and for his purposes, we can have unity. Amen? And we seek that right here. All who believed were together. Such a powerful truth. When there is together of belief, there is power, there's strength. When two or more are gathered in his name, when a marriage is made up of a husband and a wife, and they are both consumed with seeking Jesus Christ, there'll be a oneness there. There'll be a depth of purpose there. There'll be a vision there. That couple may both know Jesus Christ, but if they're not talking Jesus Christ in their home, there won't be purpose and vision. But when they are all in and they forge their lives together, Jesus only, the kind of unity that's experienced next is almost unexplainable. It can happen in a home. It can happen with parents and children. It can happen in a community, it can happen in a church, it can happen in friendships, and this is what we are about. We're about living thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? We are forging a community here, this is who we are, a community of believers in Jesus Christ only who have committed our lives to one another and for the sake of the gospel. That's what happens when you're aware of the Spirit within you. It forges a new vision. Let's go on in the passage because it talks about what happens next. They were all together, it says, but in verse 44, the second part, it says this, and they had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Now, you'd have to understand something about the cultural setting to see what's happening in this verse. All of a sudden, to be a follower of Jesus Christ cast you out of the city because they were hot on your heels. Pilate had already seen to it that Jesus was crucified. The Pharisees were not too happy with anyone who still called this man Messiah. The Roman government wasn't interested in anybody who was causing turmoil. And so the followers of Jesus Christ had to step out. They had to gather together. They couldn't rely upon their goods within the city anymore. They couldn't rely upon the established relationships they had within the city anymore. They had to go outside the gate and there survive. And so to do that, they cared for one another. They met one another's needs. And if there was a need that was bigger than a family could meet, they sold their goods and divided them so they could meet the needs in the family, so they could provide for those who had need this was the kind of sacrifice that they had. This was the kind of passion that they lived out. This was truly lifting him up and living him out. They had the vertical, now they were practicing the horizontal. They were putting it all into practice. And they had this new awareness that God was in their midst and there was joy. What can we do to care for those who've come out? What can we do to care for those who are being persecuted? Let's do our thing to care for them. Let's love. 
Let's turn the other cheek. Let's give to those who ask. Let's bless those who curse. Let's turn the other cheek when we've been beaten. Let's give without asking anything in return. This is what the Spirit does. It awakens a passion within you to connect with others and to give. This brings us to our next big point. Awareness of the Spirit of God leads us to say, it's not about me. It brings you to that place in your life where you say, you know what? I used to live and it was all about me. It was all about me getting my way. It was all about me protecting myself. It was all about me demanding my rights. It was all about me getting what I want. It was all about me getting revenge. It was all about me having to get the praise. It was all about me having to be recognized. And Jesus transforms their life. The Spirit of God comes into their life. And all of a sudden, this awakening happens within. And now they have their needs met in Jesus Christ. And they don't have to worry about someone else having to give them enough praise, enough acceptance, enough uh, enough of make me feel like I'm special because God had done that in Christ in them. And all of a sudden, they were able to be in a situation and say, you know what? They've got a need. I'll be glad to give what I got. It's not about me. It's not about my comfort. It's not about my stuff. It's not about my ease. Now there was this new passion that said, it's not about me any longer. I'm willing to be part of this, this body of believers. I'm willing to give up what I've got. I'm willing to meet a need. It's not about me. I don't have to be heard. I don't have to be noticed. I don't have to get my way. I don't have to pout. I don't have to complain. I don't have to be demanding. It's not about me. I'm so grateful that there are places in our church where that happens, where there are people who are intentionally serving and they're saying, it's not about me. So like every Sunday morning, you pull up into a parking lot <clears throat> and you notice that there's a parking crew out there who are directing you to your place and there's some parking greeters who are out there waving and smiling. These people are an example of some who've said, it's not about me. Because you'll notice they're out there whether it's hot or cold. They're out there whether it's raining or not raining. They're out there and they're missing the first part of the service. They're out there not getting to hang out with friends and family. They're giving up their time and they are saying, in effect, it's not about me. It's about others. It's about causing someone else to feel peace and joy and the power of the Spirit when they drive up into this place. It happens in ministry here as well. There are people who are serving in our children's ministry right now. They could be sitting here. They could be relaxing. They could be enjoying this time. They could be hearing and learning. But they've chosen and they've said, it's not about me. I'm here to serve. I want to be there so a mom and dad can be in here and totally here. Amen? That is practicing it's not about me. There are people who open their homes for lift groups. There are people who give their time to study and prepare for Bible studies. And they're saying by their efforts, it's not about me. There are people who serve behind the scenes here that you don't even know about. There are people who give their time, who give financially, sacrificially. And I don't even know what all of that is, but I get to see the results. And I know of those people. They live with, it's not about me. It's about what God is doing. So I'll gladly sacrifice. I'll gladly give my time. I'll gladly give financially because it's about what God is doing here. It's not about me. I could keep that money and I could buy myself something. I could keep that money and improve something in my house. I could keep that money and do this or that, but it's not about me. 
It's about what God has said, about what God has done. It's about the Spirit of God within me. It's about seeing others experience the reality of Jesus Christ, and they say, it's not about me. If you don't have any areas in your life where you can practically and tangibly say, it's not about me, then I can almost assure you, you probably are not experiencing the Spirit's power in your life. Just think about that. If there's not a place in your life where you're not willing to give and sacrifice and serve for someone else's good, you're probably not experiencing the reality of the Spirit in your life. It's what these believers did. Because the Spirit of God had come upon them, because they were all together, because they had surrendered themselves to that, because they were aware of the Spirit of God within them, they were willing to lay down their will, their rights, their pursuits for someone else to know Christ. Do you have a spot in your life where you are intentionally saying, it's not about me, and that you're not bitter about it? I had to qualify that that you're not complaining about it, that you don't resent them because of it, that you keep wondering, when are they going to give something back to me? Huh. It's not about me. It's not about whether you get paid back or not. It's not about whether you get recognized or praised. It's about Jesus. He's first. He's only. If you want to experience real awakening, if we ever are going to experience awakening beyond these walls right here, then we all have to get to the place where we say routinely in our life, it's not about me. It's not about me in my marriage. Uh-oh. It's not about you, really, it's not. You think it is. You think it's about your comfort, your ease. You think it's about your time and what you've given. You think it's about your comfort and your pleasure. It's not. If you think it is, I already know what kind of marriage you got. I'm not trying to be critical. I'm not trying to be condemning. I'm just speaking truth, and you know it, right? Hello. No? If you don't have some areas in your life where you're, not say, where you're saying, it's not about me, I know there's a depth of joy you're missing out on. There's a depth of freedom you're missing out on. If you're living, protecting yourself. If you're living complaining about what you've given up. You're not experiencing awareness, and there hadn't been awakening. Awareness always leads to awakening. When these people were aware of the Spirit of God in their midst, it led to awakening. It led to awakening. Awareness always leads to awakening. Awareness right here leads to awakening here. Awareness here leads to awakening out there. The more awareness, the more awakening. The less awareness, the less awakening. The less awareness, the less awakening. It's time. It's time to be aware. It's time to be aware of what the Spirit's done. It's time to be in line with what He says. It's time to be excited about what He's done so that there can be true awareness, so that there can be true awakening. You with me still? You haven't turned turn me off yet, right? Come on, right? Let's go on in the passage. So, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. Let's just pause right there. Now we're talking about some worship. We've gotten from they're living their daily lives, caring for one another, sacrificing for one another, but now we're starting to talk about worship. It says, so continuing daily with one accord, they were all together in the temple. Now, you've got to understand the situation. Most of these people were Jewish people. They had been going to the temple to bring sacrifices, right? They had gone with their lamb. 
They had gone with their turtle doves. They had gone with their grain offerings. They had brought their offerings to the temple because that is where the high priest was, because that is where the Holy of Holy was, because that is where you had your sins atoned for. This is what they had been doing until they recognized who Jesus Christ was. Now they believe John's words who said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Uh-oh, you just changed some things up all of a sudden. You mean I don't have to go to the temple anymore to keep taking sacrifices? No, you don't. Because the Lamb of God has once and for all paid for your sin. You don't keep going back to that temple to take an offering. Really? Yes. But what about the high priest? Oh, the high priest. A beautiful picture of the one who enters in to the holy of holies. That high priest is a picture of Jesus himself who has entered not into the temple made with hands, but into heaven itself, the temple and the place of God. And he has offered up his body, his blood, once and for all. Whoa, wait a minute. You're changing everything on me. Exactly. There's no need for a lamb sacrificed anymore. You don't have to go to the high priest anymore. And guess what? You don't even have to go to the temple anymore because catch this, you have been made the spirit of God's temple. Whoa, wait a minute. You just changed things up on us. Exactly. Now, there's new life all of a sudden. The spirit breathed new life into everything. And now these Jewish believers saw everything differently. The temple was no longer the... The high priest was no longer the, the lamb was no longer the, how about that? It was all in tone. There you go. They are no longer it because Jesus has fulfilled it all. In fact, when he was crucified, the veil of the temple tore top to bottom and opened up the access right into the Holy of Holies. Woo. It changes things. But look what the passage says. So continuing daily with one accord, where? In the temple. What are they doing? What are they doing? Why would you go back to the temple? There's no need to go back to the temple. The only reason you go back to the temple is if you had a new message, if you had something to say, if you had new life breathed into you, if you saw that place differently all of a sudden, if all of a sudden now you went there and you knew you were the real temple, if all of a sudden you went there and you saw lambs being offered and you thought, Oh my goodness, I see the picture. Those are all pictures of Jesus. If you saw the high priest and thought, oh my goodness, you're nothing like my high priest. My high priest is Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, new life was breathed into what had been old patterns. Did you hear that? New life was breathed into what had been old patterns. Ooh. Hold on to that. We're going somewhere with that. It wasn't just there at the temple, but it says they went and they were breaking bread from house to house. In the next part of the verse, it says that they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God. The fear was gone. The anxiety was gone. The condemnation was gone. The old religious routine was gone. There was now new life breathed into what they had been doing before. Now they could gather in people's homes and have as rich a worship experience as they ever did at the temple and perhaps even greater. Amen? Now everything's changed. There's all of a sudden this new life breathed into the situation, into their experience, into their, their faith and their worship. Worship spilled over into their homes. They're They're breaking bread together. They're having communion together. They're celebrating Jesus together in their homes. And it brings us to our next big point this morning. Awareness leads to new abandon in worship. Yeah. You see, when you all of a sudden are aware of what has really happened, of what really has come now, of what the Spirit has truly done It will change how you worship. For these people, these Jewish now believers, they had been going in these routine religious ways, seeing the same thing, doing the same thing, perhaps even never knew the meaning of it all. But now, 
Now it was different. And when they gathered, they couldn't help but praise God inside. There couldn't help but be a spirit of joy inside. They were no longer just going through the routine. Now they were filled with life because the old routine had new life breathed into it. You see, that is when awareness comes, and when awareness comes, awakening comes. Awareness leads to awakening. I'm going to say it again. Awareness leads to awakening. And for these people, when the people that were part of Jerusalem said, what is going on? They don't come like they used to. They don't gather like they used to. There's a joy about them. They're singing. They're praying. They, they're being kind to one another. You can't even hurt them, it seems like. You try to hurt them and they turn the other cheek. What's going on with these people? There's something new in them. They've kind of been abandoned to this new way of Jesus Christ and they're following him and they're worshiping him and everything's different. I don't know what your experience has been with church. Sometimes people grow up in a church and they go through some lifeless ways. Have you ever been in a church where there wasn't any life, but they were just going through the motions? They were singing the songs. Somebody was speaking the word. The people were there doing religious things, but there was no life. There was no passion. There was no joy. I'm going to tell you what. When you get aware of what the Spirit of God has done, it'll wake up your insides. It'll cause some life to spring up. And all of a sudden, you'll find yourself wanting to sing, sing loud. And all of a sudden, you won't care about who's sitting next to you, whether they're hearing you sing off-key, on-key, loud, soft, whatever. Whether you're hitting the words, not hitting the words, you've got a joy and a passion in you, and you just got to sing. Amen? And you don't care what other people think. You're not there because of what people think about you. You're there because of what he thinks about you. You've come and there's a new spirit within you all of a sudden. And soon you find yourself not only singing, but you think, something's going on inside me. Mm. I don't know if I can stand still anymore. I've always been taught to just stand still and hold the chair in front of you and barely open your mouth. That's what I've always seen, but something different's happening in me all of a sudden. I, I almost want to just let go of the chair in front of me and just feel real spiritual. <laughs> right? You know? And you're like, I, I just, something's brewing in me. I found out, you know, what Jesus has really done for me. I found out that the Spirit of God is within me. I found out just how much my sins have been paid for. I find out I've been seated at the right hand of the Father, and pretty soon my hands are starting to raise up, and they get all the way to my pockets, and I put them in. <laughs> you know? You get kind of, you get excited all of a sudden, but then you don't want to go too far with this thing, so right in the pocket you go, you're like, hey, hey, safe zone. I'm good. But, you know, after a while, it's like, can't I just can't and all of a sudden your hands start raising up and you think okay this is safe right here whoo here we go I am real I am really worshiping God right now I've never felt this free before in my life you know you just you're just abandoned you think whoo I am out there people think I'm crazy they don't but something happens the more you get abandoned the more you're awakened I'm telling you when awakening happens I'm sorry, when awareness happens, awakening begins to happen. You start getting aware, and you start getting awakened, and pretty soon those hands are coming up, and you might just start with one right up here. They're real safe. Raise your hands, you know? And then before you know it, I, I don't know what it is. There's something, I, I wrestle with all this myself. I've been down this journey. That's why I can say all this. But there's something happens the more you walk. There's something happens the more you, you grow. There's something happens the more Jesus set you free pretty soon you, you find yourself moving your feet around you find yourself lifting your hands up you find yourself singing the top of your lungs and you're filled with great joy and it begins to do something in you it stirs you and there's an awakening you've you've never experienced before you begin to be all aware of what christ has done who he is and you begin to abandon yourself to him oh my goodness that's when awakening happens. Not just for you, but for other people. There's something about when people respond to God. It proves to others that He's here. He really is 
here. And in a setting like this on a Sunday morning, we're all at different places. Some of us have walked with Christ for years. Some of us are new into the journey. Some of us haven't even begun the journey. We're just kind of checking it out. Some of us have been walking and we got stuck along the way. And you've come here today to see, how do I get back? How do I experience all that stuff again? The Spirit of God is the only one who can do that. But I'm going to tell you what. When you're in an environment where people are free to worship, free to respond, free to pray, free to turn to their spouse, their child, go to a friend and pray together, and that stuff happens here, it all of a sudden awakens everybody to the, wait a minute, God's here. God's doing something. God's changing, stirring hearts. And if you see it happening in someone else, you think, wait a minute, I think it's happening in me. And soon, you can't help but turn to your spouse and say something you've, you've never even said before. God's working in my heart. And it may be the biggest faith step you've ever taken just to say those words. But I'm going to tell you what, when you do that, you just bring great awareness to the room. God is here. God's working in me. I long for us when we gather to know the Spirit of God is here and lives are being changed. A dad that's been resistant and given his time to his work and he's been obsessed with himself all of a sudden just breaks because he can't take it anymore. And he repents of his ways and turns to his wife and he comes to talk to a counselor. I'm telling you what, when that stuff happens, that's the miraculous. When a heart changes. When a wife who's been filled with hurt and anger and resentment, when all of a sudden she breaks and she longs for reconciliation and she turns to her husband and that stuff happens, the Spirit of God is well known in that place. Amen? When a student who has been rebellious and angry and resistant all of a sudden turns to his parents and he breaks in humility, the Spirit of God is in that spot right there. And when others see it, watch out. It is a domino effect of the Spirit in that moment. When one chooses to believe, it sparks a wildfire. It's why in the book of Acts when one in a family came to know Jesus Christ, the promise was to their family as well. They're going to come. It's the reason that when four men took their friend to see Jesus and they couldn't get in the room because it was packed and they climbed up on the roof and they cut a hole open and they lowered him down to see Jesus and to be healed by him. It's the reason that Jesus looked at the man and said, because of the faith of your friends, you are forgiven. Wow. Because faith was in the room and it was active, it set a fire. It's what happens. Awareness leads to new abandon and worship. And when that happens, it leads to awakening in a church and in a community. We go on, the last part of verse 47. It says that these, these followers of Jesus were having favor with all the people. There were people in Jerusalem who were struggling. And they began to come out of their ways. They began to repent of what they believed. They began to see that Jesus was the Messiah and they came. And it says, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Wow. There would already been 3,000 who had been added to the church. We know that. But God keeps on adding daily those who are being saved. I told you, awakening, awareness always leads to awakening. When you're aware, there'll be an awakening. When there's very little awareness, very little awakening. But this 
This is wide scale. This is massive. 3,000 one day. And then day after day after day, believers are being added and added and added to the church. Our last point today is this. Awareness leads to cultural awakening. This, this is where we started today. And this is where we end today. I know you have this longing as a follower of Jesus Christ to see our nation changed. And I'm not just talking politically. I'm not talking governmentally even. I'm talking about the heart of our nation changed. That kind of wide-scale awakening. When there's awareness here, awakening will start there. I want us to be the place where there's full awareness. Amen? Full surrender. Full abandon. I hold nothing back from you, Jesus. I'm in. Nothing else. I'm confident today that God's speaking. That he has spoken. And when he does speak, he speaks very specifically. I'm confident there's some areas today where he is making you aware. Maybe he is calling you to be more connected. You have this passion inside, this longing, but you've been living as an island, and you want to be connected. You want to be a part of a body of believers who have a vision, who are going somewhere. I'd encourage you to come, be a part of this church. God's doing something fresh here. Maybe, maybe he's making you aware today that it no longer needs to be about you. That there's some areas in your life where that's, that's kind of been your, your mantra. That's been your catchphrase to it. That it is about me. And today the Spirit of God is speaking and saying to you, it is not about you. I got something far bigger I'm doing. It's time for you to lay down your you and look at me, Jesus says. Maybe it is a call to be abandoned in worship, to give yourself away in a way you never have before. This next part of our service is that uh, response time. It's a time where we respond to God, where we say, okay, God, you have spoken. Your spirit's within me. I hear you. As we mentioned last week, there's power. There's strength. There's encouragement when there's obedience. So we're going to do the same thing we did last week. Our band's going to come in just a minute and lead us in a song of worship. We're going to have our counselors here. If God is speaking to you about an area, would you come and just let them know? Just as confirmation to the Lord for yourself and to start a fire, God's speaking to me. If it means you need to turn to a spouse, a friend, a child, a parent, whatever it is, feel free to do that as well. Would you stand with me?